Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the Ravens' defense in the preseason finale against the Bucks. Talk about what happened in that game, but probably more importantly, what battles really will impact the Ravens in the 2023 season, whether that's going to be the roster or on the practice squad. Joining me to do that is Jake Vogel. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing good, Ken. How about you? Great to have you back as always. Uh, uh, good to talk about it. In a lot of ways, good to put the preseason behind us. Uh, there's a there's a high stress, fast turnaround kind of time as an analyst that uh, that I am usually happy to have end. And now you get back to a more regular schedule during the during the season. Absolutely agree with you. All right, outstanding. A lot of things going on for the for the uh, Ravens. Uh, some positions certainly were up for grabs. Probably most notably on the offensive line, that was uh, we we had decisions made even before the well by the time the first snap was made, we knew what the what the call was. Uh, but some other things are happening on defense, and some some uh, order of deployment questions that uh, certainly uh, answered, you know, 
give a give an insight anyway into what the Ravens are going to do when the season comes along. One thing we haven't gotten to see yet is really much of the scheme they're going to use. We we haven't seen any real differences in package. It's been almost all base or nickel so far. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, I think Todd Munkin has done a good job. I know we're talking about defense, but I think he's done a good job on offense of not really showing his cards um, pretty much at all, even though I think we're seeing some differences between him and Roman, uh, you know, pretty vanilla out there. And I would say the same thing for Mike McDonald, you know, in preseason football, he just, you know, keep the guys out there, play very basic coverages. Mm -hmm. Um, He does a little bit with his um, pass rush from time to time, but uh, you know, there there's a lot of tricks left in the bag for, for Mike McDonald as well. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, they, they certainly pulled out all the pass rush tricks, not packages, mind you. They never went to even a dime package during that uh, game against the Commanders. But in defending the streak, they were you know had a long drive. The defense was completely gassed. The offense really let them down in the fourth quarter of that game. And they r- had a bunch of eight-man rushes, and they didn't do that at all last year. So uh, mm-hmm. it was kind of interesting to see. Well, uh, one thing we saw in this game was that the Bucks played a lot of their first string in this game. Uh, and they they played him for a while. Uh, Mayfield was in there, I think, for two drives, uh, which wasn't too – that's not too much. But uh, a lot of the defenders in there for longer. Yeah, the, yeah they were. Um, I, I had a Bucks guy reach out to me before the game asking about what the Ravens were going to do um, as far as starters go. And, and you know, I told him the same thing that it has been for – the first couple weeks of the preseason um, Harbaugh and, and the coaching staff is not really putting the starters out there. You'll, you'll see some heavy rotational players, maybe for a series or two. Um, but you know, the, the cemented starters on this roster weren't going to play. And that's what we saw um, yesterday. So yeah, yeah it's thought- definitely interesting strategy. And I, and I think, you know, in, in terms of the competitiveness in this game, um, you see a little bit of that advantage for the Buccaneers, considering they started Baker Mayfield and Chris Godwin was playing. Uh, you know, he scored the first touchdown for them. And then um, you also had Kyle Trask, who was, you know, a legitimate competitor to Baker Mayfield for the starting quarterback job, um, play the rest of the game, I believe. Um, so, you know, the top two quarterbacks versus the Ravens playing their two slash three and then their number um, four quarterback for a lot of that game kind of makes a difference. Yeah, uh, it, it does. Um, I, I don't begrudge any other team playing however they want to deploy during the preseason. You want to take some risks with your first string talent, you go ahead. And, yeah. and uh, you, you do so at your own peril, of course. Uh the Ravens did dramatically lose snap count in this game. It did feel like for a lot of the game, they were under intense pressure. Uh, they had problems on their offensive line and with some talented Bucks defenders uh, making their presence felt. I would agree with that. You, you see some struggles from uh, some players we'll get into. Uh, even though we're talking about the defense, you know, for, for the Ravens offensive line, Sala was um, – you know, not having the greatest preseason, and that continued into this mm-hmm. game. But 
Yeah. yeah, lots of problems across the way. We'll get into a lot of that tomorrow night when we uh, when we talk about the offense tonight. As we go on here, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some individual play. We're gonna get into some roster predictions as we uh, as we go through this. But I think one of the few jobs that was truly up for grabs in this game, and there wasn't much, especially on the defense. A lot was already decided as far as I'm observe it. Um, was the cornerback position. Uh, they played really three guys in a very conscious effort to get them all about the same amount of playing time and pair them up with each other alternately. So the three guys, of course, were um, Hayes, Kelly, and Armour Davis. And they each played about 45 snaps, and they each played in pairings uh, with one other uh, and and in a pretty good mix of uh, doing. So they started the game with with uh, Hayes and Armour Davis, I'm sorry, with uh, Kelly and Armour Davis out there. And that, that lasted for three drives, and then they went to Armour Davis and Hayes, and that lasted for about another five drives, and then they went to Hayes and Kelly again. So Kelly played first and last, Armour Davis played first and second, you understand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, interesting way to look at it. Stevens, Seymour, Darby, all bubble wrap. There was some talk that we'd see Darby a little bit in this game. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Yeah. Surprised at all by by the by the I say- <laughs> I'm not surprised that Darby didn't play. Um we're talking about a player that had a an ACL injury last year, right? Mm-hmm. In around October. Yep. If I remember correctly. Um I mean the Ravens have a lot of experience with ACL injuries, and that's less than a year ago that he had this injury, and it's amazing that you know he's healthy enough to practice and you know got onto the Ravens team in general um I do not feel any sort of negative way that the Ravens didn't get him on the field um in the preseason you know I just wouldn't want to risk injury if an injury is going to happen it's going to happen but you'd rather have it <laughs> I mean you don't want it to happen period but um in a meaningful game you know maybe he can do something um so yeah I, I was not surprised to to see Darby um, not in there. One guy who did play some, and I think you could consider it a little surprising is Ardarius Washington. Nothing left to prove in my opinion. Right. Clearly has won the slot job and the Ravens don't really have anybody to back him up. Yep. Yep. Definitely agree with that. I didn't think he was going to play, but I'm glad that he got out of the game healthy by all accounts. So uh, that's a good thing, uh, and I know that we're going to have to be in wait-and-see mode on on what happens with Pepe Williams, um, whether that is um, he makes the 53 and immediate to IR. I I doubt that they would just put him on the IR and end his season um, just because injuries happen in the secondary all the time, and they might need him later in the year. They have several players who, if there is any kind of minor injury, even between now and in, in practice, whatever it might be, between now and I guess it would have to be Tuesday. No, no, no. It doesn't even have to be that soon. Um, they can make their handshake deals and get people mm-hmm. onto the roster. And we're going we're gonna to need to talk about the handshake crew in some degree. I guess now is not a bad time to do it. But they have uh, four guys. They're all defenders who are on the roster, who are uh, handshake guys. And and those are um, Worley, 
Seymour, mm-hmm. and the two defensive linemen, Urban. Waxon and Urban. Yep. Yeah. And all four of those guys potentially would be released. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Cut before uh, on cut down day and then would be back on the roster prior to week one. And, and there's, I think there's a pretty good chance for between two and four of those to occur. It might be all four. Um, but the, the Ravens will need one spot for Humphrey because I, I presume he's the Ravens will commit to not having him available for the first four weeks, although that is a significant commitment. Where are you on that one? Um, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence on what they're going to do with Humphrey. Um, they know more than any of us how, how serious that injury is and kind of what that timeline would be. I somewhat lean that he will go on IR after the initial cutdown. That'll free up a spot so that they can be more competitive during those first few weeks. You know, if if he's going to miss three weeks versus four, I mean, I feel like you might you might as well put him on IR. Um, just give him that extra week to get healthy. Um, and, and the other guys are there are some other names that I would consider to go on um, that IR as well, but they may not be as clear cut um, injuries. So that that's a little bit more. Um, <laughs> we'll save you know. this for the second, the gamesmanship that goes on. Yes. Is that yes, yes. We'll save this for the second half of the show. Cause I think that's when we're going to end up getting to the, to the roster calls. We'll sure. do some of the individual stuff in the first part, but I want to get back to the, to the cornerback battle here because um, the three guys who are out there are going to be a very tough decision for the Ravens. They present a, a really tough, uh, a, you know, question for them. And they, they've got uh, uh, five cornerbacks who I would project are going to be on the opening game roster, and then probably spot a spot for one more. And you could argue that there'd be a spot for two more, or there may be a spot on IR behind that. But should be. On week one, should be Darby. I think Seymour will be back. If you know, if you're bubble wrapping mm-hmm. him now, sure. you, you're certainly going to have him back. Brandon Stevens, I think, is their number three outside cornerback at this point. Our Darius Washington, their slot corner, is certainly going to be on the team. Hmm. And then we hope Rock Yassin is available for opening day. It certainly seems like it. He's back at practice now, so it seems like there's a pretty good chance of that. That still leaves at least one spot for a cornerback Perhaps even, uh, perhaps I'm uh, not including Humphrey in this group because I'm 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 you're saying he's probably not going to be on the opening day roster, but he but he even he won't be an opening day active. Let's put it that way. Sure. But he might he might eat that spot if he's an opening day, um, on the roster at all. Yeah. So, are you talking about game day, like game one game or day. You, Okay. C- game Seymour day. will be cut. Yes, but, uh, but then, then return. The name that you didn't mention that I have on my list is Jalen Armour Davis. Yeah, so and I think he's in the battle, and that's why he's in the with the other three that's really battling for this fight. So, is would Jalen would be your your next guy of those three that you would keep? Yes, yes. I see. I think that's the way the Ravens look at it, Um, and I and I I it's not that I I am saying no. I just think he still remains a developmental corner from all I've seen this summer. I think he mm-hmm. still is looking like a uh, never finds the ball in the air, has good speed, good basic characteristics to play cornerback, just absolutely nothing in the way of experience. And, and you look at all the guys they have, even the young guys, Tay Hayes 
had you know played something like 2,000 snaps in college. To give you a relative idea, um, Jalen Armour Davis played something like 700. Yeah, uh, wow. at Alabama, it's just enormously yeah. different. And then, of course, Jalen Armour Davis has made up for it by playing nothing in the preseason. You know, in two years and 50 snaps of regular season play. So, uh, this was literally his first ever preseason action against the uh, against the Bucks this week. Right, and, and that's that's all good points, especially if you're talking about like just game day activation. Um, but as far as being on the roster, I I would expect him to still be there for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Would you? Would you consider he can't practice if he goes on IR, so it kind of ruins mm-hmm. some of the developmental value of the thing. Um, but if he develops a, a minor injury between now and cutdown day, or he already has one coming out of this game, would you consider putting him on a temporary IR where at least sure. gets him three weeks to practice? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, when we when we get to that part, I'll tell you the guys that I have for that All right. kind of thing. Terrific. Okay. Uh, I thought in, in the, it's going to be very difficult, the decision they have at the cornerback for the last spot, because uh, the order in which I believe the Ravens would like to keep these guys, which I believe is J.A.D., Kelly, then Hayes, because I think they, they think we just picked up Hayes off waivers. Mm-hmm. He's played for, I think this might be his, his eighth franchise and his ninth stint with a franchise. And in addition, he's been drafted by the, Birmingham Stallions of the USFL and you know he's just he's, the guy the guy has is already been around in a three-year career uh incredibly decorated coming out of Appalachian State by the way great great defensive back in college um but he, but it is a guy who uh who nobody really seems to trust uh even though he he held uh, opposing quarterbacks to a 2.8 rating this preseason Two-point wow. quarterback rating. So yeah. one interception, it was like three for nine in terms of completions or something, and uh, just an absurdly low rating. Uh, so, you know, I, I, he's playing the best of the three. It's not I, – I don't even think it's close to close at all. Kelly, give me your thoughts on him too, because he's at least played a couple of games now. Mm-hmm. He had a very bad game against the Commanders. Is it Commanders or is it against the first game? I'm trying to remember. Uh, he had an up and yeah, up and down game against the commanders. Yeah. But you know, there were definitely some down moments and, you know, definitely kind of both. Yeah. I thought he, he, he was probably better in this game. I thought he he made a little recovery, but definitely had some bad moments where he got lost in coverage against the commanders. And he did not look terrible in that first game because, but he only played 17 snaps and it was very late. So that was the, that was the issue with it. Um, you know, there are things about Kelly that, look like a cornerback and there's other things from his college tape that I really didn't like him at that point because his statistics were so utterly horrible in terms of giving up eight yards a target in college. It, that's just yeah. not a draftable cornerback level. No, that, that that's the kind of level where you'd say, can I have that corner guarding my receivers every time? Because eight, yeah. eight yards per target for a wide receiver is pretty good in the NFL and fantastic for a quarterback. So, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So, it's it's difficult with him. I, I think you have seen you know some of that ability to bounce back from negative plays. Um, that's that's a positive. Uh, I would say there's a mixture of things going on with him. I don't know how much of it's physical and how much of it's mental. Um, his change of direction seems to be an area that he is limited athletically, um, and that's not good for a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but some some of that could be um, his ability to recognize um, routes from the receivers, um, awareness on the field, where he is, and what kind of help he has, and uh, among some other things. So I think that can be um, corrected to some degree. I think um, he'll play faster when he's not thinking so much, and that might be some of it, some of it as well. Um, so I still say he makes the roster, but um, – it is it is challenging when he doesn't look like somebody you want out there. Yeah, and and I I think the Ravens can carry one of those. I don't think they can carry two. So we'll see how this goes with JAD and Kelly being a couple guys. And right now, I mean Hayes looks like the best of the three, no doubt about it, in terms of 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 where he is right now. He's more experienced. I would kind of expect that. Um, you get a big payoff potentially from either Kelly or JAD if they can get it turned around. Hayes is now a third-year player, but Kelly, of course, is a rookie, so you have four years with him, and you want to take that advantage. Uh, any of these other guys, including guys they could get for one year, another name that came up today again is, why don't we just pick up Greedy Williams? He'd be pretty close to the vet minimum at this point. Um, he's got all the size you'd want and whatnot. He hasn't played all that well in the NFL, not terribly, but just not that well. Um, and is he a guy that you would want to stick out there because he's got that aircraft carrier size and um, give him a chance? And I don't know what other off-field or in-building concerns there are about Greedy. I really don't know what got him cut by the Eagles. They're very right. deep at cornerback, but uh, but I really don't know what the problem was. Yeah, that's a tough situation. When a guy gets cut this early, you know, mm-hmm. this was like prior to the last preseason game, if I think. Um that, that's kind of a red flag. Yes, on paper, he was a talented player coming out of college, um, and it seems like it might be an upgrade of, over some of the corners we have. Um, but, it, you know, it's a little bit alarming when a guy is cut that early, um, you know, on a talented team that wants to win. Yeah, it's, it's odd. You know, it, if he was very, you know, very talented and a strong player right now that didn't have a lot of issues – you would think maybe they would try to get some sort of um, trade value from him instead of just cutting him all altogether. So, yeah, I, I definitely have my concerns, but um, you know, at this, trying, at this point, you're you're just throwing a dart. I'm trying to see when the Eagles played in week. In this case they were one of the early games. They played on the 17th, and he was cut on the 19th. Okay, by, by the Eagles. So that's a. And maybe it was a question of he wasn't getting enough playing time. They knew we weren't going to make it. I mean, the, the Eagles still have too much at cornerback you know they they mm-hmm. uh, uh you know could consider trading an eli ricks is uh, at the back back into their roster i don't think kelly ringo who's playing the second half is going to get a lot of playing time this year at least and i that would have been one of the questions is is would the eagles be interested in a trade for patrick queen and, and give up kelly ringo in the process uh that'd be pretty exciting frankly as a georgia guy i bet you'd bet on that yeah yeah he was he was a guy i liked a good bit coming out of georgia so um, I would be very interested in that. I heard you talk about that on a, on another pod. Um, and I was kind of digging that, that idea, but at this point, um, you know, as we're kind of getting into the roster stuff, I would say Patrick Queens on this team. I, I think it'd be really odd or not odd. I just think it's very unlikely for them to trade queen, you know, at the last minute. I think he's going to be part of the plans for this 2023 season, unless there's some sort of mid 
mid-season trade like Eric DaCosta likes to make to upgrade somewhere else. Yeah, and those are usually not player for player. Those are usually right. draft pick for player when they occur. You Once in a while, you have a blockbuster, and the Clinton Portis deal was the big one. Was it Clinton Portis and Champ Bailey were in the deal at the same time? Might have been. Uh, they might have been, yeah. Yeah, so, so I know it was a big deal for with Clinton Portis involved. So, uh, so you know, when it happens, it's a blockbuster. Um. Well, we'll see how the how the how the cornerback play uh, uh, breaks down. I just thought it was interesting in terms of deployment that they got those guys out there when they did, and deployment, you know, it tells you a lot during the preseason. We'll go to some other positions and and what happened there. But um, Orlando Blackson is a guy that a lot of people aren't a hundred percent sure is on the roster, but he played the first four drives of the game and then he was out. There's not much of a bigger tell than you're making the roster than they get you out early in the last preseason game. Or they don't play at all. Yeah, or, or they, they don't do. play. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. And Urban and he got basically the same treatment. Actually, Blackson Blackson did play in played a little couple snaps on the fifth drive. It looks like as well. And Urban played a couple snaps on the fourth drive, but they were both out in the first half. I, I think they're clearly in the Ravens' plans as the fifth and sixth defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And I I think it's it's smart to have six defensive linemen on the roster, which is one of the questions that will naturally come up. Do you just want to only have five and try to you know? have the other one come out, but it's you, you, because it's a limited size and shape pool, more limited than some other positions like wide receiver or cornerback or running back. Say um, you want to have your guys rostered uh, on that, uh, your depth rostered in terms of the defensive line. Yeah. Completely agree with you there. Yep. Better to Um, have them be game day inactives. Yeah. yeah, And a name that is a little bit of a throwback um, that I saw on Twitter, I believe today was Justin Ellis jelly. Um, mm-hmm. Recently got cut, so oh my god, know. he's still kicking around. Yeah, I didn't it's know. It's been four years since they picked <laughs> him up off the street. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if he still has it, but that's another guy that the Ravens could go to if they're in a in a tough position. I mean, the, the Ravens practice squad is often the the place where people go to find the linemen, but it wouldn't surprise me if Kaim Caesar is the guy. He didn't play too badly in this preseason. I didn't think. Uh, showed some things as a pass rusher, a little bit as a run defender, and, and he has the right body type in terms of, of uh, the extra size they like um, to, to to play that position. But hopefully, hopefully that doesn't come up at all this year because those two players are incredibly important to the Ravens. Agreed with you. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, also, otherwise, on the defensive line, the the guys who replaced. I was I guess I was a little surprised to see Travis Jones play as long as he did. I, I kind of mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy that I haven't heard anything about him getting hurt and I'm glad he got out of the game at halftime. It's actually a little surprising to me that he played that long. Agreed. Yeah, that that was very surprising to me. I mean, I think he solidified himself at this point of being a um a pretty big part of this defensive line. Uh so I was I was surprised to see him get as much run in the third preseason game. I mean, he's he's, uh, he's clearly one of their one of their big four, and um, a lot of the flexibility of this defensive line rotates around Travis Jones. It's it's what can he do at um, three tech? How can you manufacture those one on ones? And you know, a year we've already seen and been very disappointed. I think I, I speak for a lot of Ravens fans in terms of what we've seen from outside linebacker in terms of the pass rush in this preseason. Yep, yeah. I would agree with that, and I think. You know, that just, you know, magnifies the importance of our interior defensive linemen getting home. 
Um, and Travis Jones is going to be a big piece of that on the early downs. Maybe, maybe he gets involved as the year goes on in those, you know, third down obvious um, passing scenarios um, for offenses, but it, you know, it's going to be Matabike, Broderick, uh, Washington, Travis Jones, and even Michael Pierce um, to some extent, um, as well as the occasional Brent Urban pressure, you know, getting his hand up, batting some balls down and, and maybe getting a sack or two. So those guys are going to be huge. And then what they can do to create room for Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith as well from the second level to get home. Um, that's another big piece of our pass rush. I, I think that's really a, a huge key, but Jones himself is quite the penetrating athlete. And whenever you can set him up, there's a lot of ways to set him up with a one-on-one move with a one-on-one um, opponent, you know, sure. or one-on-one uh, matchup. Um, and you can, you can do it just put, by just putting him a three tech, you can make it very difficult for them to block him with two men. Almost always the three tech is straight up on a guard. And for that to happen, they got to, they got to commit to playing Pierce at the one and him at the three, which one of those two is only going to get single teamed and it's going to be a pretty good deal beyond that. Even if he's at the nose tackle, you can still get him some one-on-one matchups and you can manufacture them against the center or against the guard by where you bring an additional pressure up the middle. So if you're willing to commit another pass rusher there, then he effectively has a one-on-one matchup manufactured for him by that, which he could potentially use to, to great impact. And if you can get him in a situation where they have the double team started and then you bring a delayed blitz, usually it's a disadvantaged block that's left with him. That's kind of the, the way right. the under guy on stunts typically, and I know you know this, but I'm just explaining to the other people out there. The under guy on stunts usually has the better opportunity, better than the looper. The looper is actually peeling somebody off. So you think of the under guy as sacrificing himself to set a pick. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes he's the one who, who creates an advantage for, for, for the looper. But but typically, um, one block peels off, and that under player then is just tremendously advantaged in terms of his path to the quarterback. Yep, agreed with that. Um, and I think it could get really exciting. Um, we've, we've talked about it a little bit, and you've talked about it with some other people. Um, the packages with Michael Pierce and Travis Jones on the field at the same time, uh, you know, that, that just – is very enticing uh, what they can do against the run. And then when teams are in the passing situations, just that pocket compression should be able to help those edge rushers um, and create some, some really big opportunities. So. All right. Looking forward to that for certain. Um, then we saw basically Caesar bots and Nichols take over the, those three guys played the entire second half and they really played from, <laughs> really from about the the third drive of the second quarter, they were on the field together and, and doing things. And we saw a few good plays. Uh, Trey Botts picked up his first sack. Great pick by yep. Caesar. Uh, that, that was uh, terrific to see. Uh, let's move on to outside linebacker. Now, this was a really interesting deployment choice here. So we saw Tavius Robinson play some early, but Tavius Robinson got sent to the – sent sat down after the third drive of the second quarter, not even till halftime. He only showed, he only started playing on the second drive of the first quarter. Moon and, um, well, Moon pretty much was in opposite either Tavius Robinson or Ajabo for most of the first half. And they did bring in Kelly Sanders towards the end of the half. But the guy who stayed on the field a long time 
is David Ajabo, who uh, was actually in rushing the passer situationally all the way to the end of the third quarter. What does your Spidey sense tell you about that? <laughs> um, you know, it's it's not a good sign um, that that he's getting that much run, but there could be a lot of things going on here. He's practically a rookie um, this year. He got a little bit of playing time last year. He did have a little bit of an injury in training camp that held him out for a little while, and maybe he's trying to get back from that. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things going on, and it's it's tough to to say that um, this means too much. Like he can't become this um, impactful pass rusher this year. But as of right now, what we've seen through the preseason, it hasn't been. Um, very good. And I think a lot of that is him kind of overcompensating for um, the lack of edge setting um, and run defense that he had against the Eagles, you know, trying to make amends for, for that failure in the first preseason game. And, and now it seems like he's lost his way a little bit as a pass rusher and maybe some of that mojo. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, I don't completely understand why he was getting so much run, but maybe they're just trying to get his feet wet, see if he can shake off the rust a little bit, and I don't know, figure it I, out. I, I think that's what it's got to be. And, I, you know, if, if that is a problem, and I, I noted it too, I, I said so in my article last week, was that I thought there was a, there was a overcompensation that was basically keeping him from, from using his A moves, using his A penetration, and maybe we saw him try more of that in the first game and that he ran himself out of position a few times and, and you know, it, it didn't look that good. He's only had one pressure this preseason as I've scored it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's real, but that was just a simple bull rush pressure in the second game, I believe. So it wasn't anything, you know, nothing special, nothing that requires the Ravens to hire Chuck Smith or even to, to right. use a first round draft pick on a guy or second round draft pick in a Jabo's case. Um, what I'm, what I'm just disappointed about is I think in this game they tried to put him in in situations as a pass rush situations as opposed to run situations to maybe acclimate him to what his job will be this year because I do not see this guy out there on rundowns. I mm-hmm. think they got Jadavian Clowney. I think you know yep. a, a pretty uh, classic edge setting character who who will uh, be there for most of the season. Um, they've got Tyus Bowser. I think they really want him more for passing situations this year to, to make sure that their pass rush can deliver on the flexibility it's had in the past with him dropping. Uh, but they, they, I don't, there's, they don't have that other. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sam linebacker currently not not among their the guys who are going to be on the roster because it ain't clowny there's a question of whether he's a defensive end or an outside linebacker but he's not a dropper right um, uh it's it's not a jabo it's not tavius robinson i think we've seen that pretty clearly both of them are are situational pass rushers and it's it shouldn't be a way because we need him to become the next great pass rusher for this team yep yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, honestly, it feels like at this point the Ravens are going to try to do something different from what they have done in recent years um, with the Sam linebacker. It, so you know, just give up on some of the flexibility derived from the Sam linebacker and try for more four-man rush? I, I think so, especially while Ajabo – I mean, not Ajabo um, – Bowser is you oh, know yeah. he, healing and you know coming back from – from whatever his knee situation is, um, I, I think they're going to more kind of split that role up um, through multiple people. And in those passing downs, I think they're going to be more straightforward. It's a four-man rush. You're not going to see as much dropping from that guy on the Sam side. Um, yeah, that, that, that seems like the move to me. If it's something else, I, I would be surprised. 
Yes, I, I I don't disagree with that. I think there's a real good possibility that they're they're going to need to, um, you know, last year trying to make Owe into what Bowser was really hurt Owe. I think in terms of in terms of his development, but also in terms of his productivity last year. And uh, you know, he had a decent pressure year. People, you know, get on him about the sacks, which is appropriate. Mm-hmm. But he had a decent pressure year, and I just like to see him. Uh, that be the focus this year for him where he's trying to figure out how to beat that tackle one-on-one. We had one very interesting edge situation this game, and that was Trenton Simpson inserted on the edge for one play. Now, there was actually more than one play where Trenton Simpson was lined up outside of an outside linebacker. So I'm not talking about that. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about in place of an outside linebacker. There was one play late in quarter three uh, where he was on doing that. And um, uh, interesting to see. Definitely something I thought he was not, um, you know, the the appropriate guy for. But if they, you know, if they don't have Tyus Bowser, maybe Simpson is a guy who can help you a little bit in some situations where you might want a, a, a different kind of a look at Sam. Right. Yeah. I, I think he has a while to go right now. He, mm. he seems like he's developing, which is completely fair. He's missed a good amount of time in training camp with his injury. Um, so I, I think he will end up helping this team um, during the season. But right now, you know, they have the two linebackers, Roquan and Patrick Queen, and they have enough pass rushers that I don't see him getting on the field too often. All right. Uh, definitely. We saw some things from Simpson we'll get into in the second half of the, of, of the show that I thought were very interesting otherwise. Uh, Kelly Sanders played the second half. Um, I thought he played pretty well. I did miss a couple tackles, but I thought otherwise he looked pretty good. He was one of the people not being fooled by boot plays in this game that I thought was, mm-hmm. was nice. And we can get into that a little bit later, but, uh, in terms of deployment, I guess those are the major, uh, issues here. Uh, inside linebacker, uh, kind of a similar set of deployments. We had, uh, Phillips and Harrison playing together for pretty much the whole first half. Yeah, it looks like the whole first half. Welch might have been in there a play. We have him noted there, and I did not actually go back to check to see if he actually entered in the first half for a play on the second drive. If it was, it was an equipment issue of some sort that he was in there for because it would have been for Harrison. Um, But uh, in the second half, uh, it was a combination, like it was last week, of Welch, Ross, and Simpson – in different pairings on a um, within the series even basis, but but by series as well in in terms of making sure they all got some playing time. Yep, yeah, I, I saw the same thing with the the linebackers. Um, he, you know, he actually looked pretty good uh, in this game. Welch did, but um, yeah, that that inside linebacker is going to be interesting when we're talking about the roster breakdown because some pretty good players aren't going to make this team. You know, the Ravens draft late in the – no, they don't draft. They claim late in the waiver order. So one of the things I'd like to see them do is if you're going to cut a Welch, see if somebody wants to trade you a guy they're cutting who you think might otherwise be a waiver claim. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world to trade a player like that, get a little something for him. Uh, you don't really want to trade a conditional seventh even for a lot of these guys. Uh, but if you're going to cut them, you know, I, I don't really see the downside to letting a player like Welch go. About the only thing I could say is I really wouldn't want him going to certain opponents who are going to play the Ravens early in the season 
I don't think I'd want to see Welch going to the Bengals and giving them a bunch of hints about how we run our special teams. Um, but but otherwise, you know, I'm I'm pretty much fine in terms of, of who you trade him to and you and you uh, you know essentially move up your claim from somewhere towards the back end to number one by uh, <laughs> by trading that player, and that's a it's a creative way to use your your surplus talent. If there's a way they can get anything for, um, honestly, any of their inside linebackers not named Queen Simpson or um, or Roquan, I think I'd be in favor of it. And and that means even if you if you trade Harrison, if you trade Phillips, the difference is not great enough between them and the other player, particularly when you multiply by how much they're going to play play, yeah. that you can't give them up if you're getting something in return. Agreed with that. Yeah. All right. Josh Ross, we'll talk about him a little bit in the second half. Uh, honestly, seems to be headed back to the practice squad as far as I'm concerned, but uh, but a guy who, uh, uh, you know, we enjoy seeing him play every preseason, it seems like. Um, but there were some things that, that didn't go exactly right today that we'll, or yesterday that we'll talk about. Uh, I think we talked about the cornerback deployment a little bit. Surprised, I think, like you were, that our Darius Washington continued playing into the third quarter. I didn't. He played the first half. And then we saw Corey Mayfield come in in the slot in the second half uh, to play along with the other the other pairings. Um, really, it's just those three cornerbacks with two different slot corners, Washington and Mayfield. That was the deployment for the entire game. Only five guys played corner for the Ravens. Yep. It, it gets tough when you're, uh, when you're getting to that last preseason game. You only have so many guys that you can put out there. Because a lot of players are sitting at that point. I thought it was interesting. One of the guys who they could have stuck back at corner for a little bit of time, but they were using him at safety, Jeremy Lucian, mm. was a guy they could have. They could have stuck Daryl Worley back for some more time at corner because there's a reasonable chance that they asked Daryl Worley to play cornerback at some point this year. Uh, you know, he's, he probably makes the team as a safety, but but you know, a pretty reasonable chance he ends up playing corner right in a, at some point in some game this year. All right, safety. We're moving on. Geno Stone played with with uh, Worley for oh, five drives. It looks like into the beginning of of quarter two, but they didn't they didn't stay on the field the whole time. Those guys both clearly being given a white glove treatment at this point. Worley, the amazing first game against the Eagles that really won it single handedly with a bunch of high leverage plays in a row. I know we had some missed tackles in that game, but he was unbelievably right where the other team didn't want him to be for those right. last uh, drive ending plays. And then Geno Stone uh, uh, out there as well. Uh, Job's not in any danger. I didn't think he played particularly well on this one, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, Lucien and Houston Carson back there. Back and I always have to check myself and see if I'm saying those names in the right order. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like having you know multiple first names or multiple last names. You often get it wrong. But. Uh, uh, I have some things to say about Lucy in terms of his general season, but uh, um, anything at safety about the deployment that says anything other than these four safeties are on the team and these two are not? Um, no, I, I don't think there were any surprises in that. Um, honestly, when you're when you're getting down to the the breakdown of the roster, I only have three safeties on my initial 53 mm-hmm. but there's a reason yes. for that yeah. yes 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 you're right and i agree with it too 
uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. Let's, uh, we'll start on, on uh, this half of the show. We're going to go through the, the defensive line and the outside linebackers. Then we'll cut it off. Uh, we'll take a little break, come back, and record part two of the show. Okay. But let's talk about the interior defensive linemen in this game. We've, we've had a little bit of discussion so far. But in this game in particular, what did you what did you see that you like? Pick a player, talk about him, and then I'll I'll pick the second player. Um, so I I like you know all of the all of the depth players. Um, Travis Jones is the obvious guy to talk about. Um, so you know to me he stands out in every game that he's played this preseason. There were there were points in the game where. I felt like he was not necessarily getting overpowered because he's one of the strongest guys on the field, but he was just missing some things because he was consistently getting double teamed um, as the player, you know, getting one arm out there trying to make a tackle. He was missing tackles like that, but it wasn't a real fair opportunity for a tackle. So I'm not sure how PFF graded him last night. Um, I have not looked at that yet, but, I thought he played well, penetrated. Um, he had some splash plays for sure, but um, kind of shows you more of that ability to play three tech than than an obvious nose tackle, you know, full time. Yeah, it looks like he had a pretty average game according to them last night. They, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, pretty average game overall, but they do have him for some missed tackles, a couple of missed tackles here, yeah. it looks like. So, I think I had him for one. Uh, I'll have to go back to my article and see how I had it. But, you know, there's um, missed tackles are certainly definition based. There's almost nothing that would be more definition based. And so sometimes you run into that and it's uh, it's no big deal. I have a missing a tackle at the line of scrimmage. Q2825 is the one I have. Uh, did have a nice pressure of Trask when he was not fooled on a boot right. There was a lot of that. And uh, by the way, Trask, an interesting quarterback to go against and kind of represents a good challenge for the Ravens because he, they run a lot of boot plays. And you certainly you want to get practiced at having the, the backside edge defender know what he's doing at a boot play. And he's 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 the live wire there. You got to that backside edge defender is critical to get right after the quarterback immediately. So he's got to stay at home. He's not got to be fooled. He can't go diving in after the running back, trying to make a you know big scraping play across the backfield to, to make a tackle. Um so he can't bite on that. And and the what makes it more difficult is Tampa Bay runs them in both directions. So the Flacco boot, I'd say 95% of them, maybe not, maybe only 90, but it's but it's at least 90, were zone block left naked boot right. ZBL NBR on our score sheet. And the reason is that right-handed quarterbacks really need to boot right in order to keep their feet right to throw to the three levels of the field. And uh, Trask apparently is able to boot left fairly effectively because I would say they booted over half the time to the left side where, you know, it's a, the zone block is going to the right and, and, the, and the boots headed to the left. And uh, the Ravens edge defenders were still very good about staying home. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, something that is often talked about in regards to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson is – um, the ability to have boot plays and kind of how it affects um, teams. And with somebody as athletic as Lamar Jackson, we haven't been able to see as many uses of that play because the effectiveness um, might 
you know, be significantly lower just because the edge defender is not tricked on the play um, versus, you know, a more average athletically gifted quarterback in terms of uh, their mobility might, might fool the defense. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, so you're saying that that edge defender is always keyed in on yep. Lamar, but if it's Joe Flacco, not necessarily so. And they still got pretty used to that boot by the, by the end of the tenure, particularly the, the divisional foes, I felt like they were on the boot all the time for Flacco because they did it so often. Right. But the but with with Jackson, it just never works, or you right. know, it never really gets him free. He can make it work, right? But it never really gets him the kind of unpressured look down the field that you hope for because that edge defender is always thinking, Lamar, 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 what's he doing? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's good about Jones. So I'll I'll move on. I, I'm very happy with what Jones has done this preseason. Excited to see what he does in the regular season. But uh, I don't think I have much more to add that I haven't said in gobs of, with gobs of praise in those first two episodes. So I, I'll move on. And I'll talk a little bit about Brent Urban, who I thought had a pretty good game here. Urban is a uh, a key piece for the Ravens, uh, particularly in terms of their run defense when they when they want to play a five tech. Uh, he's a good choice. They can do it with Washington also. He's perfectly fine as well. They actually both have some similar characteristics of being able to deflect passes while having different body types in terms of Urban being more of a taller, thinner guy and and Washington being more of a stouter guy, but who nonetheless has very active hands and, and gets them up. Hmm. Um, it's it. Urban, I think, has been an outstanding space denier in the run game, and uh, he continued to show some of that in this last game. I think he only had one tackle in the game; might have only only been one assist. I'd have to go back and actually look at this, but uh, but it wasn't it wasn't a, a stat stuffer of a score sheet you throw it out there. And yeah, I, I thought he was effective in terms of denying space to the uh, to the offense. Yeah, just one assist. That's it for Urban in this game, and uh, uh, I did have some plays noted where where he'd done some things. Now, I, I do on my score sheet, but I didn't I didn't put any in the in the thing. I think he's not in any uh danger in terms of his role this year. The Ravens are making it clear by the early exit that he's he's part of the deal, but uh I think he probably has a handshake agreement come come Tuesday for whatever. Well, I agree. And that kind of stinks for a play like a player like Urban because around this time of year, um it almost feels like making the initial 53 man roster is, is a little bit of like uh, a prideful thing. And he's a player that just hasn't been able to experience that very much, even though he's a player that, you know, many of us in Baltimore love, if not all of us, and, you know, thinks he deserves that, that sort of like stamp of approval. You're on the roster. You don't have to worry about being cut, but you know, he's at the point in his career where he can be cut and come right back to the team. And, you know, if they want to throw him a couple extra dollars his way for for agreeing to do that, then, um, you know, if I were in that position, I, I would be fine with it as well. Yeah, I, I think I think he understands the business of football and sure. being a survivor in the NFL and making the additional, you know, one point one to one point three million. I actually don't know what his salary is on, on a yearly basis. I mean, it's a lot more than he'll earn in his next job, whatever that is, we would figure. I mean, maybe he'll be very successful at something at some point, but it's going to take him a while to get there as it takes any of us to, to get right. to that kind of a salary, you know, in, in our lives. If we, and, and most of us never make it, like put, let me be very clear about that yeah. um, with regard to that. So I, I think he's, he's very reasonable about it. When I interviewed him, he said, you know, he, he perfectly understands and that the, the, you know, just thought it was smart 
football to try and expand the roster to 58 men or 57 men. And, uh, yeah, that it's, it's the right attitude to have. And it's the kind the Ravens are going to want, frankly, from a player like him who brings a lot of value defensively. They want him on the roster as the, as the last man on their defensive line or the second to last. And, and they also want that roster flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Who's your next guy? Anybody else you want to discuss from this group? Um, you know, I, I thought Trey Botts played pretty well um, at the end of the game. You already mentioned um, the one sack he had. Anytime that you can finish a play on the defensive line, whether that's cleanup or you're, you know, purely making a play one-on-one, um, you know, that's something that you have to highlight. Granted, it's coming in the last preseason game against, you know, second, third, fourth string players. So, um, you know, de- decent work from him. I'm not sure whether he would be um, a practice squad guy for us. Uh, I'm guessing he would be in consideration, but there are some guys above him um, in that pecking order, uh, like Nichols, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, pr- pretty solid game. Um, did some good things against the run, and then um, that, that sack at the end of the game was pretty good as well. Yeah, I, I think one thing to, to note about this game is bots and – the rest of them, but bots played 40 snaps and that's a lot of snaps to play on the defensive line. And when you think about how the Tampa Bay drives rolled out, they had a bunch of long drives. It wasn't just a bunch yeah. of short stuff. So that, you know, a player like bots is, is getting really tired out by that sort of lack of rotation where they only have three defensive linemen to fill two spots from, for most of that kind of a drive. Uh, and some of that, they were playing the base defense because they're trying to stop the Tampa run as they're moving down the field and they're already had the lead. So that was obviously a, you know, a, a, a higher workload in that second half than, uh, than it would have been in the first. He had, he was party to three tackles. They were all defensive wins. I know defensive linemen tend to get a higher percentage of defensive wins among their tackles. That's still a good number. And, um, and that sack was a, was a really nice use of the pick. Uh, next guy I would, I would pick to talk about is Kaim Caesar. Cause we've talked about bots, but, Right. That, that his his crash, it wasn't even between those linemen. It was almost like a a block against the first lineman that created a wash play where nobody could possibly get back to block bots. So it's it yeah. one of the beautiful pick plays you'll ever see. And it, 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 at a at a purely unselfish play in terms of no way in hell is he getting any part of that sack as an under. Right. It's going to bots or it's going to no one. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta love, gotta love that unselfishness along the defensive line, and that was a phenomenal play made by him. And I would, I think I would agree with you. It's maybe, maybe only one out of three, but probably two of the three of Nichols, Caesar, and Botts makes the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, Nichols and Caesar each have a kind of a more specific role, some additional experience uh, that it seems like it could be those two, but uh, but we'll see. Maybe Botts is a guy they like athletically, and they they. Feel like it's yeah. I I thought he was a little undersized, but I think the Ravens roster now shows him at pretty close to three hundred pounds. And let me just look real quickly at what they list him at. Yeah, still only two ninety two. So six two two ninety two. That's a little undersized to be yep. to be uh, you know a three tech player in the NFL these days. But uh, famously uh, went to the same school as Ryan Jensen. Um, unfortunately, we heard some bad news about him yesterday on the broadcast. Um, yeah, he's, he's out for the year and, um, he possibly could, could be done for the rest of his career with that, that injury. Um, really sad, but great player in Baltimore that, 
you know, turned it on at the end of his stint with the Ravens and made a name for himself with the Buccaneers. It's a lot of fun to watch. I can tell you that. A lot of fun to score as an offensive lineman, too, in terms of, of how he grew throughout his career here. Purely developmental player, really, for a couple of years. Just got a little bit of action. Then he played and he was okay. And then mm-hmm. he moved to center and he was great all of a sudden. And that yep. uh, that was a lot of fun to watch his growth in that way. Also just really fun to have the Ravens have a big, powerful center for the first time in a long time. Yep. Uh, really got to go back to, to a player like Matt Burke uh, to find a guy who really fit that role the same way. I have liked what we've seen, by the way, from Sam Mustafer so far this year. I thought he's, uh, he's looked pretty damn good in this preseason. Uh, now, this wasn't the best game for... I, I don't actually, I couldn't tell you this ended up being a great game for Mustafa or not. I, I've noted some individual plays. I will say this as we charted through going the offense, we just did it before we got on the pod here tonight. There were not a lot of, of pressures charged to Mustafa. Most of it went to other offensive linemen. Uh, but uh, but he he's looked pretty good. He had one, one play in this game where he blocked three players on the same play. Yeah. So that's unusual for a lineman. All right. Uh, I think we've pretty much gone through all the linemen. Let's move on and talk about the inside or sorry, the outside linebacker group. And there's certainly lots of guys to talk about. Who do you want to talk about first? Um, we could talk about Tavius Robinson, uh, another guy that should be on the roster. Um, you know, at, at this point, he does seem to be just a um, situational pass rusher. Um, I think it's just going to be a waiting game with him to, to try to see how much development um, he can have over the course of a year, two years before we're actually seeing a player that um, is highly effective in this defense. He, he hasn't been, he hasn't been bad the whole time, the whole preseason. Um, But he's, he's definitely not somebody that you want, on the field week one. Um, and, and I know we're playing Houston and some people say, you know, get your guys out there. Um, I heard on, on your, one of your more recent podcasts, um, somebody talking about Todd Munkin saving up some of the offense uh, for, <laughs> for Cincinnati. And, you know, it, it's a similar idea with, with putting Tavius Robinson out there. Um, I, I just think, you know, it's, he might be, uh, a healthy scratch um, most games this year. Yeah, that's that's where I am too. I think he'll he's the most likely deactivation of the outside linebackers on a regular basis here. Now, here's the funny thing here. I, I don't know what you do if Ajabo continues to not figure it out because mm-hmm. you may at some point try and give him a kick in the rear end and just activate Robinson over him some week. Sure. Because they obviously have lots of overlapping skill set, and if one of them is picking up more from Chuck Smith than the other – maybe uh, take a look and you'll yep. see what's going on. Cause they've got to, they got to get it. They somehow got to get a job. started up this year. Um, it is at this point, honestly, a point of sunk cost with a job. So they can't be too concerned about what they used in terms of the draft pickoff. They can be pissed about it if they want to be, but it, it, it shouldn't affect their decision on whether Tavius Robinson or uh, a job is the active player. And in, frankly, with Robinson, since they have four years of development available, if they can get him to, to a liftoff point a little bit earlier by playing him in year one, that might be the right move. That, it mm-hmm. might limit a Jabo in some way, but that might be the right move in terms of you get four years out of this guy, three years out of a Jabo. Uh, you know, you got to think about 
about doing more to make sure Tavius Robinson works out this year. Right. Just a little bit freaking disappointed, though, that Chuck Smith has not been more had more of an impact on the outside linebacker group in particular. I'm I, you know, Dr. Pass Rush, you know, a lot yeah. of things we expected. We still got a we still got a whole lot of games to go. Right. We just yeah. haven't seen in the preseason. I would say it's it's too early to say that there's not an impact there. Um we haven't been able to see Justin Matabike, Broderick Washington, Michael Pierce in, in these games. And he Adafi is working, yeah. he's working with those guys and especially Adafi Owe, who by all accounts, I haven't been at any training camps this year, but by all accounts, he's having a strong training camp and is looking much improved as a pass rusher. So, you know, I think, you know, with all of those guys and then maybe a little bit with Jadavian Clowney, who's not the best pass rusher um, at this point in his career either, um, nor has he ever been, but um, it should be an improvement over some of the things we've seen in the preseason. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think they'll be able to scheme for Clowney to do some things that he hasn't typically had done for him at other places. Like, I, 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 sure, when he first came up with the Texans, they probably did some things, but they also relied on him to be a one-on-one winner. And they can do some things for Clowney here to try and schematically either get him one-on-one matchups, maybe getting him on the move, maybe rushing him from off the line of scrimmage and doing some other you know, things they wouldn't normally do for players. Uh, to, to, to try and have him make a real impact. But Baltimore does a, a good job of that. And they have for the last several defensive coordinators in terms of even go back to Pease, I would say, of getting guys opportunities that look a little different than normal. Matt Judon and, and Tyus Bowser have both been off-ball guys. They've been inside guys. They've been guys who drop to create opportunities for overload on the other side. You could see some of that happening for Clowney. You blitz the slot on the same side as Clowney. You probably put him at a big mm-hmm. advantage or the slot, one or the other. Right. So you got lots of good opportunities to get in. And I think the Ravens are, since they do more to try and catalyze that that um, pass rush directly, I think they got a better chance to um, to make that work. I would agree with that. All right. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Jeremiah Moon. Um, I thought that he he hasn't been bad at all. I I didn't think this preseason in this game, I thought he played the run pretty decently. He had a really nice coverage play over by the right sideline where he reached across the body. Always like to see that from an outside linebacker Mm -hmm. to knock down a pass, but I thought he set the edge pretty well. And I think that's been a a fairly consistent point this, this preseason. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, He's somebody that looked pretty good last year in the preseason. And I think he's just kind of continued that um, into this year. And the other the other name that has popped up in in the outside linebacker competition for the fringe spots would be Malik Ham. I wonder how you would kind of compare contrast Ham versus Moon at this point. Uh, either of them have potential to be a Sam linebacker. Where I think Kelly Sanders really is more of a rush guy. Uh, Sanders, this game by the way, set the edge pretty well. I, I don't want to go into him, but I will point people to the article and say. Go take a look because he made a lot of pretty nice plays and he was right on Trask on those boot plays. He didn't lose him. Um, good pressure in the game. Uh, you know, that was positive. But let's go back to Malik Ham because I think he's in a lot of ways the more interesting player. He's certainly shown some things as a pass rusher uh, in terms of figuring it out. And, and some of it's been one-on-one wins. Some of it's been exploiting opportunities that he had for an unblocked rush. Uh, so there's been some of both of those. 
I did look back. He's dropped to cover now 11 times. He sat out this game because of some minor injury because I'm sure he'd have been in there otherwise. Right. Um, but he, uh, uh, you know, this, he's, to me, he's the most obvious practice squad choice of all for mm-hmm. multiple reasons. But the big one being, I think you could possibly develop into, into a Sam linebacker. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. He shows the athleticism to do that. Um, like you said, he's dropped 11 times. That's, that's not a, an insignificant number mm-hmm. in three preseason games. Two um, even. Yeah. Or yeah, two. Yeah. That, that kind of magnifies the point um, that he didn't play in this past one. So interesting I think they player. Were, I think they yeah. were trying to get him out in space a little bit too. So, you know, some of the things you do in preseason, you do it just because you want to see what your players can do. So it might be, they might use him five times a game or they might not if, if this were the regular season, but I will say this in the 11 times he dropped, he wasn't even targeted once, which is very nice that you, mm-hmm. you know, he, he wasn't that guy that the other team tried to go after. Uh, right. Now, if this were a regular season game, he probably be concerned about going after him and not the yeah. uh, not trying to see if their wide receiver could beat somebody one on one. No, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's call it there. And I'll tell you what: we'll take a, a break and we'll be back for part two. But before we do that, where can folks talk football with you online, Jake? On Twitter, um, I don't care about calling it the other name. <laughs> And um, my name on there is at real Jake Vogel, V-O-G-E-L. Yeah, I talk Ravens. I talk Georgia football, NFL, college, you name it. And um, I always enjoy getting in conversations on there. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you want to be on a film study short, you know the deal. Send me a a DM. They're always open on Twitter slash X. And uh, hit me up. I will get right back to you. And uh, and we'll talk about your kernel of an idea. Uh, Typically, the more... Self-contained, the idea is the better. We try, we, you know, there's lots of rabbit holes we'll go down no matter what. So having a, a relatively small thing that we can talk about and, and spend 15 to 20 minutes on is ideal because uh, I want to try and provide some shorter content. A, a lot of people, you know, can be turned off by one hour shows and, and I have an awful lot of those. So if, we, if, if you can find the, the, the show we can do in 15, 20 minutes, it's a great contrast to, to what otherwise uh, we talk about here. Jake, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.